Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Good morning, Grace Point. Now, your, your coffee is better than that. I've had it. Let's try this again. Good morning, Grace Point. It's so good to be with you today. Uh, My name is Ben Seaman. I've been uh, honored to uh, be the the speaker this weekend for our one weekend retreat. Um, I send you greetings from the frozen tundra of New England. Uh, My family and I live about 30 minutes north of Boston in New Hampshire. No, I'm not an avid avid Patriots fan, uh, but that's not threatening to you. This will be. I'm from Cincinnati, and I love the Bengals. Um, so I'm excited for Mahomes to go 13-1 uh, and one over his career against Burrow. Uh, anyways, that's not why we're here. Uh, we're here to talk about the prodigal son. We're here to talk about the gospel. I want to publicly thank Pastor Devin and his team for inviting uh, me to come and speak. It's been a blessing uh, to getting to know some of your students If you have students, if you have grandchildren that are in middle school and high school and they are not yet connected to a community of students that are kind of going through the same life circle of experiences, I want to encourage you to get them here this Wednesday and every Wednesday uh, because the student ministry is amazing. Had it not been for men and women who developed and poured their life into me, I definitely would not be here standing before you today. I understand that uh, coming into a weekend service that is ending a student ministry weekend might feel like you're being asked to watch the final episode of a show on Netflix of which you've seen none of the whole season. Um, But I'm going to do my best to kind of thread the needle uh, for us this morning. The, the, The theme this weekend has been homecoming. Uh, because the gospel is an invitation to do just that, to come home. And yet there are so many people, followers of Jesus, people who are not followers of Jesus, through one circumstance or another, feel like they've messed up so much that they cannot come home. And that couldn't be further from the truth. If you are new uh, to church or you're new to the Bible, you've never heard this story, let me give you sort of the cliff note version of kind of where we're at today uh, in the weekend. Jesus tells this parable. And a parable is you trying to explain something to a friend that they've never experienced, right? You go see a good movie and you can't, you, you want to use common metaphors and language for your friend to understand what it is in the hopes that they might go see the movie with you as well. The kingdom of God, this is why art and church is so important is too beautiful for words. And so Jesus uses these things called uh, parables to describe what God is like and what we're like. And so the parable of the prodigal son has three characters. There's a dad and his two sons. Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus uses the dad to tell us what our heavenly father is like. And Jesus uses the analogy of two sons to tell us what we are like in response to the father. The, the, the father, is why I love the Bible, because it's so honest. Uh, the, Jesus tells a story of a family 
already fighting, like from the jump. There's no civility. There's no fake smile. How are you doing? The story begins with a son, the younger son, saying, Dad, I want my share in the inheritance. I know you're rich. You have a lot of cattle. You have a lot of land. I'm ready to get out of here and figure out life on my own. Now, he knew that in first century Jewish culture, that you could not receive the inheritance until the father died. It's as if your son, dads, came up to you and said, Dad, I wish you were dead. I know how much of a life insurance policy we have on you. I wish you were dead. I know that you're a good investor. When you're sleeping at night, I get on the computer, and I I know how much uh, investments you've made. I want my money now. And you can decide and argue at lunch if you thought this is a good parenting move or not. But Jesus tells us that dad says, here you go. And and, and maybe maybe there is some heated conversation in the handing over the money. But the son takes the money and he runs. And he finds himself, maybe a couple weeks, maybe a couple months, completely empty. He spent all of his money on what Jesus says as wild living Wild living might be something that you might think right now as you're thinking about the phrase wild living, but to be fair to the text, wild living means having a lot of money and yet still feeling hopeless inside. So you're just kind of randomly spending the money on whatever. Your money has no purpose, no direction. You're just whatever, whatever you want to do is how you're going to spend your money. And Jesus sort of crescendos this moment where he says after he spent all of his money, he finds himself as a hired servant uh, to a man in a different country. Here's why you care about that. This, This prodigal son is in a new city, new food, new people, new culture, new politics. And if he goes to a church, he's worshiping a God other than Yahweh. And Jesus describes this man as eating with pigs. Jews do not eat pork. This is how desperate this man is. This is how hopeless this man feels. And and instead of going back home the first time, he sells himself out to be a servant. And then the son decides, you know what? My father's employees, probably a better word than slave for today, my father's employees eat three meals a day. They shower and they go to sleep, and they have a bed to lay their head down. Maybe if I just go home, I'm just going to get ahead of the awkward conversation, and maybe my dad will just look at me as an employee, and maybe not his son. At least I'll have food, a roof over my head, and I can take a shower whenever I want. So he sets himself to go back home, and the Bible talks about what's happening here in narrative form. The, the, The prodigal son is expressing a biblical concept called repentance. Repentance sort of has two big ideas in the Bible. In the New Testament, uh, metanoia, it means to change your mind. There's a moment in this young man's life where he has a realization that maybe my father and the other adult leaders in my life, students, kind of know what they're talking about, which is kind of annoying <laughs> when you're 17, 18 years old and you got a couple million dollars in your wallet. Like back then they wore togas. Like where do you put that? Where do you put that money? Right? You just can't Vimo. Like dad's Vimo me some more money. It's annoying when you get to the realization that maybe the people older in my life kind of know what they're talking about. So he changes his mind. And then the Hebrew understanding of repentance is this fun word to say. It's called teshuva, 
which kind of sounds like a tennis shoe, uh, it means to return. It means to go back home. So he just doesn't just cognitively, theoretically make up his mind, I need to repent. He puts his feet to the ground and begins the journey back home. And, And his father sees his son coming from a distance and his father runs full of compassion, wanting to embrace his son. But there's also something going on uh, society-wise in the Jewish community. There's a Jewish practice called keheza. I hope I'm not butchering that word too much. Uh, and what happens in this Jewish practice is that if you curse out your parents like the prodigal son and say, give me my money, I'm out of here, and you try to come back to your community, the townspeople try to meet you at the city gate and they take different shapes of pottery and they break them in front of you, symbolizing you left us. We didn't leave you. You are not welcome back. So the father is doing his best to run in a toga good luck dads, to get to his son before the religious people start judging him. Are we preaching yet? Because the father wants his son to know, regardless of what anybody else says of you, I love you and I'm glad you're home. So often the church is known for the kinds of people that were against and not the people that were for. And the father is trying to get to his son to let him know, son, I am for you even when you're not for yourself. And this morning, we find out the son's truest identity. And the truest thing about you, whether you're in the building or watching online, is this. It's not that you're a male or a female. It's not that you're homeless or have a six-figure job. It's not that you're a wife. It's not that you're a son or daughter to somebody. It's not that you're a best friend or a phenomenal coworker. The truest thing about who you are is that you are a child of God. You are a son and daughter of God. Even if you don't believe that, it's still true. <laughs> Maybe you find that annoying, but it is still true. And just because you're a Christian this morning, I'm not going to assume that you're at home with the Father. You could feel like you're miles and miles away from him. And I'm here to remind you that you've been invited to come home. And in the beautiful return, this young man finds out his truest identity. Look with me at Luke 15, verse 21 through 24. Jesus kind of concludes his story by saying this. The son said to the father, I have sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your name, uh, be called your son. Now, if you could think about this, this is happening probably in the midst of like pottery breaking and probably the father getting criticized. What are you doing? He left us. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, doesn't even, doesn't even respond to his son. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on me. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. Jesus never called someone a Christian or a non-Christian. He said we're either dead or alive. He was once dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. You can see the tact, the game plan that this young man thought would work. 
He tries to get ahead of the issue that everybody in the community knows what's going on. In verse 21, he says, Father, I sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. There's two things going on here. That you and your friends that aren't here that chose to sleep in and keep telling you no, I'm not going to come to Grace Point with you. This, this is part of the human condition. You're getting two realities behind what this guy is saying. There's a difference between doing a bad thing and saying you are that bad thing. See, the the first statement is a statement of guilt. I have sinned. Yes, you are correct, son. You have sinned. I am guilty of sinning. And the gospel says that Jesus paid the debt for our sin. So there are things that we are uh, judicially guilty of that we now have to serve a life sentence for because the, 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 the hand that comes down from the judge is life apart from God without the possibility of parole. We are guilty of sin. But the gospel says that Jesus came for us on our behalf to pay that penalty. And what I'm trying to say is he served the life sentence on our behalf so that you didn't, you wouldn't have to because you could not do it. You are not qualitatively good enough to live a perfect life ever. And that's a good thing because that makes us rely on the gospel. And then you have the other side of the statement, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That is a statement of shame. Who told this guy that he's not worthy to be called his father's son? He did. He did. There's an insane rise, friends, of a mental health crisis in our nation. Huge among adolescents. We have this little tape recorder, right? Or Spotify if you're under 15. We have this tape recorder that plays these statements enough over and over and over again. Jackson Brown, one of my favorite artists, one of my favorite lyrics, he says, do not remind me. I'm gonna mess it up. Don't, Don't remind me of my failures. I've not forgotten them. Sometimes people need to be reminded that they're loved more than that they're bad. (laughs) You don't have to tell me about my worst days. I know it full well, and I forget my wife knows them full well. The prodigal son says, I've done a bad thing, and and I am a bad thing. So the beauty of the gospel is twofold. There's there's two uh, edges to um, God's grace. One is that Jesus paid for your sin, but then through you growing in, uh, in your, here's a Bible word, in your sanctification, in your maturity, he's unraveling the power of your sin so that you can live what Jesus calls a life and a life to the fullest. He is worthy to be called son. You are worthy to be called son. You are worry, worthy, uh, you are worthy to be called a daughter of your heavenly father. I don't care what you have done. I don't care what your life is like. I don't care who you vote for or how you behave. You are welcome to come home. 
And so many of us have had horrible, traumatic experiences in life. We hang divorces over our heads. We hang abortions over our heads. We hang quiet addictions to pornography, cocaine, and alcohol over our heads, saying that that God would never welcome me back, let alone I'm definitely not going to a small group and telling people what's really going on. Man, grace is scandalous in that way, isn't it, friends? We are worthy of being God's sons and daughters, not because we're special, not because we're cute and nice, but because Jesus was faithful to live a perfect life in our place on our behalf and to die for our sin. And this is how the father names his identity over his son. Verse 22, the father says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. The father ignores his son, right? He, he, he knows, parents, you know this, when your kids are in trouble, they're gonna come home, they got a pitch, right? And you're gonna be kind and gentle enough to listen. But it looks like he's ignoring his son. But what he does to his son, what he puts on his son, he's actually responding to him with these articles of clothing, <clears throat> a robe, <clears throat> excuse me, would have been a symbol of rest, which is to say the righteousness of Christ is our rest. You cannot be good enough or bad enough to enter the kingdom of heaven. You, you, you cannot be the most prolific serial killer in our country and make it to heaven. And you cannot have the highest church attendance enough to make it into heaven. And so many times in the Christian stratosphere, we use morality to pin ourselves up against other people because we're lazy theologians. The only thing that qualifies us from a moral ethical standpoint is not goodness or badness. It's the ethic of righteousness. And who does Paul say in Romans is actually righteous? None of us. We all stand naked before the Lord. We all need to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. The only way we can become righteous is that someone who has already been declared righteous because they've lived a perfect life imparts it upon us. That guy, his name is Jesus. And that's exactly, what's, that's exactly what happens to you when you believe the truth of the gospel. You realize you don't have to run anymore. You don't have to prove yourself anymore. And you don't have to strive anymore. The ring that was put on the son's hand would have been a ring. Uh, it would have been a signal sign of a transference of power, which is another beautiful gospel truth the father is teaching his son. When you read you kind of get this idea in terms of like creation that the father created everything and everything that belongs to the father belongs to the son. And if you have placed your life and your hope and trust in Jesus, everything the son has, guess what? You're his kids. It now belongs to you. You like hiking in the Rocky Mountains like I do? It's yours. You like fishing in the Pacific Ocean? Great. It's yours. You love the, the, you know, sitting outside on your back deck, drinking some amazing sweet tea, watching the sun go down. It belongs to you because now you are an heir of Christ through the gospel process of adoption. It all belongs to you. Now, here's another awesome thing to remember about 
<coughs> excuse me, a ring. The Greek word for ring is our English understanding of an engagement ring. Now, getting engaged is a pretty awesome monumental time in your life. But as incredible as being asked to um, marry someone, what an engagement ring is, it's just a promise that as great as that moment is, there's a better day coming. There's a wedding coming. There's a feast. There's food and drinks and weird uncles that try and There's a better day coming. And the Holy Spirit in Ephesians is our seal, is our ring, is our promise, who walks paraclete, walks alongside of us between the day of our salvation, which is an amazing day, but the day when we are reunited with Christ in heaven and our church family and all the Christians around the world. Lastly, he's given a pair of sandals, which would have been to the prodigal son of acceptance. In the first century, the homeowners and the, the children, they wore it was the servants or the hired hands or the employees that would often go barefoot. So when the son comes home and says, Dad, I need to give you my, my sales pitch to let me sleep here at night. The father answered that question and said, Boy, I am not, I am not going to let you go barefoot around this house. You are my son. You will wear the family sandals. You'll wear the family sandals because you belong to me. Your job is not to keep the, the grass cut. Your job is not to prepare the meals at the end of, of the day for dinner. Your job is to be reminded that you are my son and you are accepted. Henry Nouwen, in his book, The Return of the Prodigal Son, says this. I am the prodigal son. Listen to this, church. Every time, every time. I search for unconditional love where it cannot be found. Wow, that is a statement of statements on the human condition. How many of us in this room, how many of us online have been searching for meaning and fulfillment apart from Christ? How many of us have had a horrible year, two, three years since covid we just not like, we, 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 we wouldn't say like we're like an atheist or anything. We just kind of, our energy levels kind of really been depleted. It's so, it's so easy with technology, smartphones, social media, making good money at a good job, having good friends. It's so easy to neglect our relationship with the Lord because there's so many things that are screaming for our attention. And being loved is a vital part of what it means to be a healthy human being. Brennan Manning in his book, Abba's uh, Abba's Child, says this, define yourself radically as the one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is an illusion. God's love for you and his choice of you constitute your worth. The fact that God chooses us immediately says we're worthy. Not because of what good or bad things we've done or how much money we make or what we do with our spare time, just because he chose us. We are loved by him. Accept that 
and let it become the most important thing in your life. Remember the robe. You don't need to you don't need to prove yourself anymore. You can rest in the gospel. Remember the ring. You don't have to worry anymore. You can stay safe in the power of the gospel. Remember the sandals. You don't have to feel alone anymore. You are unconditionally loved in the power of the gospel. Paul tells us who we are in Christ all through his letters. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Your past is the past. Your home. In him, we are the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, 7. Your sins have been forgiven. Your home. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are no longer condemned. You are home. Nothing, Romans 8, 39, in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of of God. You can never be separated from the love of God. You are home. Galatians 3.26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. You are now God's child. You are home. Henry Nouwen in his book, Life of the Beloved, says this. Every time you feel hurt, offended, or rejected, you have to dare to say to yourself, these feelings, as strong as they may be, are not telling me the truth about myself. The truth, even though I cannot feel it right now, is that I am the chosen child of God, precious in God's eyes, called the beloved from all of eternity and held safe in an everlasting belief. This morning, the invitation is for you to do some spiritual assessment, some spiritual inventory. If this is your first time here at Grace Point or this is the the church you call home, where are you at in your relationship with the Lord? Where are some aspects of your life where you feel like you've wandered far away from God? Maybe it's just something is like just being overworked and tired when you get home and you just have no gas left in the tank. What is it for you? I want to close by reading one of my favorite verses in Romans chapter 5, 1 through 2. This is from the message, so it's, a, it's not a translation, it's a paraphrase of the Bible. And I love the way Eugene Peterson puts this truth. By entering through faith into what God <clears throat> has already wanted to do for us. See, all those negative thoughts, all that negativity is coming from your brain. You've created a world and and whatever I've done, God will not take me back. And the gospel says, no, 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 no. Get that tape out of your head. Turn your Spotify off. That is not the truth of the gospel. Actually, here's what is true. He's always wanted to do this for us, to set us right with him, to make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus, but that's not all. And here's the resolve of the tension of what might happen if I give my life to Christ. Here's the resolve of the tension of what might happen if I honestly stop giving Bible answers in small group and I actually show up and tell people what's going in my life. Here's what will actually happen if you're in a healthy group of Christians. We throw open our doors to God and discover at that same moment that he had already thrown open his doors to us. And then we find ourselves standing where we'd always hope we might stand out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall 
and shouting our praise. Man, whatever it is that you have that you're holding on to, may this be an invitation to let it go. You are a beloved son. You are a beloved daughter of the Most High God. And Jesus was sent to this earth to live the perfect life that you could not live, to die the death that you should have died, that you might, at this moment in 2023, accept the gospel for the first time, accept the gospel for the second time or the 28th time. This is both for the Christian and the non-Christian to live in the truest identity of who we are. We are loved, we are secure, we belong, we have power and authority. This is our homecoming. This is the gospel. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this simple message, this simple truth. We are such a forgetful people. This is why we need to be in your house every Sunday. This is why our students need to be in youth group every Wednesday night because we, we are so forgetful. We are so busy. We have so many errands to run, things to plan, obligations to perform at our job, grades to uphold for a GPA to go to school and maybe one day get a good job. There are so many things going on and we forget what it means to sit in silence with you. And we forget what it means to be reminded that we belong to you. Remind us now, Lord, as we continue in worship. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live sent.